0: Ah, now here we go. I should be uh, should be hearing hearing my voice across the airwaves. Um, I'm going to eagerly make myself very quiet uh, because similar. Well, for the very reasons why I have in fact shifted this back. Um, hello, everyone. It's episode 189 of Rail Matter. What the heck else has been happening? Question mark exclamation mark brackets. It's a news ep- exclamation mark. Yes, it's a news episode because so much has happened since since the last okay, nor last week since the previous live episode, which was a long while back because I did a whole bunch of pre records for my um for the first half of my pat leave. So or my parental leave rather. We're going to get cracking, really. But before we get cracking, we're going to talk about. how Am I coming through by the way? Nice, nice and clear. Good, lovely. Before we do any more, we're going to talk about the COVID stats, the latest numbers coming through in terms of travel statistics. You know, travel recovery. Um, where are we at? Well, firstly, the annoying thing is you can see the the lack of cycling data. It's now been moved, which is aggravating. Uh, so, um, yes. Uh, also, do tell me. Actually, I'll tell you what. Uh, let's while while we're here. Let's do one of these poll things. Oh, I don't know how to do that now. I here it's here. It's here. Start a poll. Um, uh, there we are. New 8 PM slot. Good question mark. There we are. Start poll. We'll see who does and does not like the poll. Uh, fine. So yeah, first you see the cycling. Um, other than that, this is the 28-day rolling average. You can see that the rail is sort of, reaching 100 percent then dipping then climbing it's just dipping and dip going up and down there's so much going on on the rail network at the moment that you'd fully expect this and indeed if we zoom in let's just zoom in to 2023 um i think the most interesting thing is actually the bus that sort of bus you can see that there's an obvious macro uh kind of uh large-scale wave going through there that's quite interesting um does it have an impact on the on rail? It's hard to tell because rail is much more bumpy and seems. Anyway, um, you know, there's rail in 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 blue. The colours are horrible. I need to really think about the colours on this. But anyway, um, fine. What I've done is I've actually gone right. Take cars. Cars just bouncing around at 100% of pre-COVID levels and spiking up to you know 110%. Fine, whatever. Table stakes. Uh, cycling's gone. So we've kind of got in terms of public transport. Okay, I could add in TFL stuff, but I'm not not going to. Um, I could also take out the Elizabeth Line... uh, Sorry, Crossrail out of here, uh, because they've published the stats with Crossrail taken out. But uh, I'm not going to do that because it's... Well, I can do that. The trouble is, is what would be nice is to have all of the talks broken down. But they won't do that because, you know, commercially sensitive or whatever. it's, It's just... Yeah, frustrating anyway, because it would be really nice to dig into that data and get an understanding of which which train operators are really struggling and which ones are, are doing very well um, what I've done here is this is again a bit visually messy but what I've done is overlay 2022 and 2023 because I wanted to look at that bus wavelength and um, well my eyes can see this is that there is a trend you can see the trend after Christmas you can sort of see both years there's a bit of a climbing trend and then there is a bit of a drop through summer, um, with people travelling less um, for work. And then, and then you kind of seeing this this okay last year we saw the drop off towards Christmas again with with various forms of disruption. But also this bus, you can see this this the bus the, this macro trend of the bus dropping in summer is also quite interesting because bus is obviously very very much used for people going to work. Anyway, just that was quite interesting overlaying those two. Um, anyway. It only remains really having <laughs> to look at that, um, uh, and I had a little flick through the, the the COVID statistics. You know, ridership is is broadly at one hundred percent. If you take TFL, uh, sorry, if you take Crossrail out, it's, it's around eighty percent. Um, that that makes sense given you know the service provision is shocking on several franchises. Um, breakdown by train operating companies or other by franchises. Yeah, that that would be. I mean, it would be a, a, a great next step, wouldn't it? Um, to see that that breakdown. Anyway. We've got a lot to get through through tonight so I'm going to get cracking everyone. Welcome to tonight's rail natter. <laughs> as the Intercity 225, <laughs> 225 fades away. Yes, um, firstly, a correction. Uh, this is particularly for the audio-only people, but also for all of you watching. Uh, I, I, last last week's slides were put together um, in, in true sleep-addled, uh, or sleep-deprived and brain-addled me way. This slide, so nice slide, I like it. Um, oh, let's bring me up in the corner, by the way. Uh, it's me. Hello, everyone. Um, this slide, nice slide, I like it. It's also wrong because i calculated my percentages wrong as you can see so i've corrected those now so we're looking at 65 percent um if you go by the dft number which is actually basically the upper bound of this quote so th- these two these two are kind of related to each other uh, these these kind of numbers uh really the 88 is the upper bound including contingency but we'll go with 88 so essentially in 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 2015 price is 88 billion, but in today's prices, the, the last formal quote for HS2's cost in, in, in its full extent is uh, in today's money about 100, let's call it around around 120 billion quid. You might think, okay, 65% is still a, a huge amount extra, but I thought, I thought I'd thought i just toss in a couple of, um, of extra numbers here that are kind of interesting. Um, uh, first one is while I get aggravated at my own um Wait, I'm, I'm just going to correct this because uh, there, and and also there, there we go. I'm just fixing my own graphics, you know. Yeah. So uh, yes, oh. uh there we go. Yes. So uh, six. So if we want to look at um, uh, cost escalations, let's look at rail tracks. Um, West Coast route modernization. Uh It was it started out as rail tracks. So the 1998 estimate was 2.2 billion, and the target cost by 2002. Had escalated to 14.5 billion. So if we normalise those prices, um, and that was still in 1998 numbers, if we normalise those figures, that's um, 4.1 billion in today's money was the guess as how much the work would cost um, for the West Coast route modernization. And in August 2023 prices, so this is the same. We can now do it to September 23, but I'm done to August 23 because it's the same as these numbers. 27 billion pounds was the target cost for. Um, West Coast Route modernization, that's a 660% increase. Um, so if we're getting upset at 65% increase, which is a lot, 660% is pretty breathtaking. Uh, incidentally, HS1, I don't have the full and final number. Actually, I do, but I, the, I don't have the original estimate, so I can't make the same comparison. But according to the NAO, the National Audit Office, h s one saw an eighteen percent increase from from start to finish um so uh yeah you can see uh, that's uh, also using the nice horrible beige colors from the the nineties why 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 is this fixation with beige that, 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 that we had in the late the late nineties anyway six hundred sixty percent increase for uh for and and this is the evidence i i use these numbers actually i used slightly more conservative estimate because i used the final receipt cost of the west coast route modernization which was actually lower than the the target cost but this this is the equivalent of the numbers that are being bandied around for hs2 at the moment um, that i'm putting on screen i put these up when i talked to the transport select committee and gave evidence uh, explaining how much more expensive doing major work to the existing railway network is um and how much more unpredictable it is, and uh, that's exactly what we're going to—or actually, we're not, because the government's not going to spend any money on the existing network. But that's kind of ostensibly where we're at. Anyway, there—that's uh, my brief connection, correction. Let's just talk about the news. Let's go for the news. Um, so, uh, firstly, the Doncaster report has landed um, for the the freight collision with the back of a the container, the container train. Uh, why is this relevant? Well, um. In the midst of continued uh, strike action in relation to, to working conditions, let's have a little look into the table of hours this driver has worked in the run-up to the collision. Phil Hay of Rail Magazine very much pointing this out. Um Shows very much why rest days for drivers are important. This is relevant to everyone. When you're hearing p- t- discussion of oh, drivers are doing you know they're not working rest days, so they, you know that's why we're finding you know, we can't run our franchise. You know, blah blah blah. Uh, drivers are unofficial. They're doing unofficial strike action by not te- working their rest days. This is what the consequence of working rest days is. Anyway. Um, It'd be good to flick through that. I might do a two part. It will flick through the Don report and flick through. Um, oh, here's a, a zoomed in version, by the way, if you want to see. So, completed shifts, shift numbers one to five. Um, uh, Ross's shift not worked because of the accident. So, this is Wednesday the 29th, Thursday the 30th, Friday the 1st. So, we're saying shift duration, cumulative hours worked 40. This, this is every 29th, 30th, 30th, south, September, April, June. Yeah. So, Wednesday the 29th, Thursday the 30th, Friday the 1st, Saturday the 2nd, Sunday the 3rd, and still rostered Monday the 4th, Tuesday the 5th, Wednesday the 6th, Thursday the 7th. That is a total of... Bearing in mind there's a 12-hour shift. That's a total of 100 hours, nearly 100 hours, 95 hours and 43 minutes, work, which in theory worked before a rest day. That is why you do not... Uh, you do not force your drivers to work the rest days. This is just absolutely shocking. It's just such a just a baffling amount of hours. And um, yes, something, something, something. At European working time directive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, what a lot of shambles. Um, max hours worked in a given period. Yeah, agreed, Graham. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, there's oh, there's lots of other news that I've yes, there is other news that I've not included. For example, people saying. Um, new uh, Viaduct now fixed, and Plessy Viaduct still broken. Yes, there are many news things that haven't made it into the news for various reasons, but um, I've picked up a smattering. The news is never exhaustive, is it? Uh, it never could be. Uh, so that's the Doncaster Report. Uh, Salisbury Report uh, has landed. We will definitely do an episode on this. Um, and uh, a particular thing point, I p- picked up here by uh, Not Posh Dave on Twitter. Um, hmm, I wonder what salience this will have to events? Let's have a look at this. Oh, yeah, look, that's, t- that's that's on the the event uh, 2021 um or after the event uh this, this is some stuff here what's all this stuff that i'm covering in red so people with monochromatism can't see it versus here where there is uh, no vegetation and here where there is no vegetation so it's not just the steam era this is the diesel era this is the 1970s um and uh and you can see there is no foliage so all of this is just weeds that have grown all these fine looking trees you know they're just weeds that have grown up since the 1970s, and I'm uh, going to be honest; probably ought to be treated as such. Um, there is a balance to be struck, uh, but this evidence here—it was not the, that that balance was not got right. Um, in related news, if we're talking about vegetation, uh, you know, de-veg and uh, vegetation management, <clears throat> relatedly, here's a new civil engineer, Thomas Johnson, reporting on. Uh, Network Rail cutting uh, more than 500 posts uh, in its track renewal, um, track renewals uh, kind of division, um, knocking nearly 300 employees out of work. You know, 300 people sacked altogether, totally dropped out of the industry. 300 skilled individuals lost from the industry. Absolutely excruciating. Um, yes, there are currently 800 posts within track renewals, and this is going to be reduced to 260 just staggering um it, it's just it cannot be expressed the extent to which this is unbelievably short-sighted we've only barely we haven't got on top of the backlog uh, because actually in the previous control period things were cut but they've been cut to, this is cut to the bone this is just i cannot express the extent to which this is bad dangerous bad news like dangerous stuff um yeah, the union, uh, so the RMT has warned that uh, the latest cuts come off the back of massive government funding cuts for CP7, which means a decline in renewals for the next five years. Um, yes, exactly. Uh, and indeed, yeah, the RMT have, have, have come out kind of spitting flames on this one, uh, rightly so. This was this was a couple of weeks ago. Just, I, just I, I, to be honest, I don't really need to, um, I don't really need to, 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 to annotate this much other than just sort of posting that headline. It's just, just shocking. Um, This is the state we're in absolute terminal decline in the rail industry at the moment. It's just appalling. Um, In related stuff, uh, the RSSB (laughs) and Network Rail, um, (laughs) it's funny, this article is framed, railway-technology.com, framing um, this press release um, as a a good news story. Actually, what's happening here is the RSSB have updated their safety risk model, which has shown that um, the FWIs for Platform train interface risk is, is still about 13 fatalities a year, um, 13 FWIs, fatalities and in weighted injuries. Um, and uh, that's basically half of the total passenger fatality risk on the mainland railway network. Everything else is much smaller parts, but half of risk on the railway is PTI risk. We're talking level boarding, all this sort of stuff I talk about a lot. PTI risk remains very high, and the industry does, colon, nothing, because what this story says is that they've updated their assessment tool to help assess that risk it's like no no you don't need to assess the risk what you need to do is have a rolling program of platform upgrades and you need to get rid of all high floor trains so that you no longer have a gap between the platform and the train that would go a long way to resolving pti it would not eradicate it but it would go a very long way to resolving it (sighs) anyway yes um a mess not good um Here's Katie Pennick, who did an absolutely sterling job. Uh, I mean, as she was always going to, Katie's very, very capable. Um, Katie did an absolutely sterling job in front of the Transport Select Committee um, um, discussing, kind of giving a pretty scathing review of the, of the impact assessments that have been published by train operators um, uh, about ticket office closures. This is still looming large above us. This is not a story that's gone away, and we absolutely need to be paying attention to it. But yeah, if, if you don't already follow Katie, it's, it's a strange situation where Katie posts some of these videos, And just received an enormous amount of misogynistic uh, abuse targeted at her. Um, And uh, all those people can rot in hell. Uh, Absolutely disgusting. So, anyway, where are we? Uh, Let's see. Um, uh, Lewis Bergen saying it's against hidden rules. I'm guessing that's about... um, uh, Uh, Yes, uh, I'm guessing that's about fatigue, Uh, talking there about fatigue, uh, lots of discussion going as ever. Hello to everyone in the chat. It's uh, nice to have you along. Uh, At me, if you want me to spot your, particularly spot your comment, you're not chatting with yourselves. Um, uh, Yes, uh, Katie Fenn, you're absolutely spot on. We are absolutely on course for a rerun of our new labour transport policy at this rate, which is um, do nothing to start with. (laughs) Yeah, fantastic. Um, Let's continue our Odyssey through the news, shall we? Um, ah, yeah. In terms of other stuff landing, um, uh, deprivation data has landed. This is some very interesting data that's really useful for us as as, as people who care and advocate for public transport, better better transport overall. Um, very useful data set. Um, you know, the things that are very interesting are the um, heavy deprivation in our city areas. The pretty substantial. Deprivation in—I mean, just look at the whole of what's interesting—is this de- this data includes the entirety of the island of Ireland, which is which is nice. Um, it's kind of the flip side is that you have in in on the island of Ireland you have, or certainly in in, in the Republic you have, um, people are better off in the city and generally worse off in the countryside. Whereas in, in the UK it's the opposite: cities are very deprived, and then all the rich rich folk are living in, particularly the home counties, which is interesting because there's also an enormous amount of of specific you know, if you list reason trash future there's there's a lot of um specific poverty in the home counties as well but in terms of disposable income um this is an interesting this is a particularly interesting um data set to look at um I, I like this every extra data set like this is 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 extra useful information to build into thinking about improvements in in transport um uh yes so uh, yes, the ticket office has become the ticket office thing has become a culture war issue. Everything is now a culture war issue. Everything gets sucked into the culture war issue because it becomes divisive. It means that it can become a wedge issue that allows um, the Overton window to be pushed. So that even if the extreme stuff doesn't happen, um, the stuff that causes a lot of harm does. Uh, you've got to see all this stuff in that in that framing. Um, this is Adam Tranter here picking up a very interesting did a really good thread. Well worth going and finding that thread. Um, uh, on a really good, nice thread interpreting the uh, Finnish outputs of uh, of this document, actually this, this this document here. I don't speak Finnish, um, but uh, the the thread basically goes through to explain a lot of very useful stuff and a lot of really interesting visuals and data. Um, and you can download that report now. But they found a five percent improvement in in the walking environment. So so by the, by which they mean a reduction in walking journey times leads to a a related um increase in public transport use and in, in the case of their study in helsinki uh, it resulted in them earning an extra really 10 million euros in fares um that's that's good uh, that's, that's good common sense stuff it's i mean it's pretty logical to all of us but um extra data is always useful so this is a very useful thing to to kind of make the obvious case that and. and 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 this this so this document you can download it um you can not read it because it's in Finnish um uh, I, I'd be nice if there's an English version out there or if anyone Finnish is watching it'd be nice to um to interpret it uh, absolutely Peter Hicks is saying uh, uh ticket machines uh, I came up uh came up against a problem where I took several minutes to buy a Milton Keynes to London terminal's ticket because there was too much variety uh, absolutely if I have these sorts of problems what chance do normal travellers have hard same I had the same issue with the ticket machines in um in Luton Airport, there the are ticket machines within the airport terminal. Uh, I come back from Serbia, by the way, if anyone's wondering. Um, and the ticket machines in there have like the old interface and it's so clunky. I could not find the ticket cl- group that I needed to get the dart and the, train back to London to make sure that I could travel East Midlands and wasn't restricted to Thameslink only. It was absolutely impossible. So I just went to the t- ticket desk um, and, and did it that way. It's just, yeah, it was absolutely impossible. And also it doesn't work online because there's a bug with Dart or there's some, for some reason or there's some some issue that means that it's not. You can't book those tickets online at the moment or not through the LNR website anyway. Um, anyway, this story, uh, going back to Helsinki, is a good chance to kind of talk about the, the transport hierarchy, which I touched on with... Um, uh, very much touched on it with uh with leo murray um in the episode about uh, electric vehicle chargers a little while back we're going to talk about the transport hierarchy a lot more in future episodes because this is a, a really important thing to think about in terms of how um how to to consider the overall urban fabric as it were um and uh so of so up, up the top number one you have uh, this, is the, this is this is straight from the Uh, Leo Murray's version of this but I've I've essentially kind of uh, railnatter graphicified it because I'm going to use it a lot number one in the hierarchy, absolute priority is to um, to people who are on foot or wheeling uh, as in people in wheelchairs um, using other mobility aids um, you know, buggies Uh, yes, roller skates as well, Uh, number one they're the the first priority, number two is then uh, bicycles is cargo bikes but personal cargo bikes um it's scooters it's e-scooters that's number two number three is um wheeled vehicles but so so pa- self-powered uh, wheeled vehicles but for business so you know kind of like uh, big sh- sort of uh, shopping cargo bikes or uh, or some of the kind of the small shopping e-type uh, uh, kind of bicycle things coffee bicycle stands trailers that sort of stuff um you know uh uh, careers as well that's number 3 number 4 it's us it's public transport so public transport's in there bus tram train that's number 4 number 5 in the transport hierarchy so fifth on the priority list is uh urban deliveries and taxis number 5 and number 6 um is the private car that's the order and i'll explain how that actually manifests I'll actually explain how that manifests itself in a future episode where we talk about the transport hierarchy and what it what it materially means and how I I don't think I've seen there, there are just so few um uh transport plans that actually follow this hierarchy to to, to to the to kind of its intent. Uh really important thing to kind of understand lots of people talk about how they've screwed up their ticket purchases Um yes the no peak trial is also happening in Scotland at the moment that's not in the news because we talked about it a bit with Alex a few episodes ago but yeah for sure it was uh, it's, I'm, I'm, we're all going to be paying very close attention to that and looking forward to lots of data being issued with it right so uh, cars so we know from this that cars are bad uh, cars anyway, cars continue to have purpose and exist but we're talking about the majority of cases here which is mostly in urban areas and uh, this is a really nice bit of visualization here from um from cycling professor on, on the urban cycling institute um on the twitter and um, bicycle uh, bicycle parking is not a problem it's a fundamental part of the solution no fuel in the world will change this basic laws of physics um how many citizens do you want to ca- citizens do you want to cater for in your public space basically cycling professor you're making a point about you have in the space for about 70 cars uh, you have space for about a thousand bicycles um, this is, yeah, this is, this is, you know, we just should not be dedicating space to, for vehicles to park in the center of our cities, you know, fringes of the cities and then using public transport into the city core. Fine. But, uh, no, this is, um, this is, this is a nice example of, of, the, of, of, of how to, how to kind of convert, you know, get rid of that parking space, create a lot of biking, bike, bike parking spaces, and then have some kind of, you know, uh, low level industrial units or, uh, you know, independent business spaces, that sort of thing. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, European uh, Transport Safety Council here publishing uh, a, or pushing the fact there's been a new large-scale study in Belgium looking at the impact of the increases in vehicle weight on road death and injury. Um, and uh, basically they looked at uh over a four-year period in belgium and then the increasing size of vehicles over that period and the impact that it's having on 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 morbidity on, on harm on, on the roads uh, it's not good news folks um cars are getting heavier and as a result of that they're killing more people it's as simple as that this is also if if any little one stood in front of this here as you can see um hmm, what's the the view here is like this at the front was it like that even how, how how many how many how many school kids are you fitting in that um, area anyway um, yeah so the vast Institute where you can go and collect the data, download the report. Um, it's possible to go and do that. Go, go, grab it. Uh, relatedly, this is an older article actually that it popped up. And it's related to some of the other stuff we're going to see. Uh, in fact, some of the other stuff in stories. All of this is real, all this stuff about cars. Bad is stuff to keep. Just keep fresh in your mind for for no particular reason. Just keep it fresh in your mind. Um, and uh, yeah, so so we know that entrenched car culture is a bad thing. You know, um, uh, motor motor what, what's it motor motor normativity is the fancy word for it car brain is the is the thing that we all know it to be um it's just it's capturing people in poverty relatedly uh a couple of papers looking at children's right to the city and their independent mobility why it matters for public health um, some interesting papers here two separate and very similar papers looking at um the fact that Car dominance, the fact that private car dominance and and the dominance of the motor of motor traffic in in our urban areas, um, and increases in speed, dangerous, know, increases in frequency of vehicles, you know, traffic, um, is uh, as they describe it, automobile centric community design or motor normativity. Yeah, yeah, this is this is Ian Walker's. Uh, word for it but car brain um severely restricted opportunity for children to engage in active transportation basically cycling around and outdoor free play and because it's an academic paper they have to create a load of acronyms for it um ofp for outdoors free play basically the fact that kids can't play even as i did when i was a kid i was playing in the street a lot because you can it's fine uh, as quite a young one as well and um, because they can't do that it's a, it's a severe impact on their um on, on their health, on on their, on their physical and mental health. And indeed, this paper here, um, I don't know why I've framed this quite like this, because this is the important bit. Um, uh, our thesis, so this is, um, the, the, this paper here, our thesis is that a primary cause of the rise in mental disorders is a decline in, uh, over decades in opportunity for children and teens to play Rome and engage in other activities independent of direct oversight and control by adults. It's a pretty, pretty punchy thesis. Um, but it's pointing out that this, this fixation with, you know, Car dependence and and creating our, our public spaces to be focused around the car um, is uh, is actually it's interesting. It's a, it's a bit of a boomer attitude, except it is the boomers are the ones who want to drive everywhere. It's it's kind of often refrain of the boomers are oh, the kids aren't playing outside anymore. Well, yeah, it's because you drive. what well, you want to drive everywhere, boomer. Anyway, um, some fun intergenerational uh, conflict there for everyone to enjoy. Anyway, uh, the, the whole point of this is that it's several papers coming out at once, kind of coming to these conclusions, which is quite interesting. Related to um, the story a couple of slides ago is um, the fact that because we're selling more and more SUVs, much bigger cars, um, the average new conventional engine car uh, today emits more carbon emissions than its equivalent in 2013. So the average new ICE car emits more carbon emissions than its equivalent in 2013, despite engines ostensibly getting cleaner, because vehicles are getting bigger, those emissions are going up. What's funny is the average car overall, the average car's emissions are going up because the benefits of EVs are being wiped out by, you know, the benefits of lower zero emissions vehicles are being wiped out by these larger SUVs. We, we know that, we've gone through these stories before. Um,
1: intergenerational indeed.
0: Intergenerational is quite a good word, Raphael, yeah. Um, right, let's watch a little video.
1: Our politicians and media are blinded by the words 2050 and net zero. It's not when we reach zero that's important, it's the path we take that matters. That's why the IPCC called for ambitious near-term cuts to buy time to decarbonise. Although better than many nations, the UK is not doing nearly enough. There are too many promises for tomorrow instead of action today. Even if we hit net zero in 2050, we'll emit far too much CO2. Following IPCC advice means rapid change now. Yes, that means taxpayer investment. But the savings will exceed the costs. There will also be huge NHS savings from healthier lifestyles and clean air. Tackling the climate and nature crisis means real levelling up, with vast numbers of jobs and home insulation and heat pumps, public transport and renewables, and grants so that people can afford the changes needed. We should stop burning things anyway to protect our future. But how fortunate that electrification will also save money, create jobs, and improve our lives.
0: I've been on mute since the end of the video, Yeah, that, that would do it. Anyway, sorry, I should pay attention. Anyway, uh, a fine Scots lilt uh, at the end of that video. That'll be a bit of sound for me to, to clip back, Right, let me start again, right, so. <laughs> Lovely video, Scottish lilt, marvellous, puts my Scots to shame. Anywho. Um, so the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. This is the problem with having a mute button. You see here, look. See, I'm I'm not I'm not muted. It's fine. I've fixed it. Um it's fine. I'm here. It's not the VT muted it, it's that I muted it because I wanted to not get give you an echo. Oh, anyway, it's fine. None of you mind. All all of you know this is a very professional outfit, everything's fine. Um sorry, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, their synthesis report. Um They've been publishing this for a long time because we chose to do nothing every single time we've. You know, we had the first IPCC was what, was it was the 70s, and we could have gone, ah, yeah, uh, fairly steady reduction. Um, that would have been good. No, we haven't done that. What we've done is every single time we've gone, oh, you know, no, we're not going to do anything. Ah, no, we're not going to do anything. Oh, no, we're not going to do anything. And we continue to not do anything. And it's just going to get steeper and steeper. And as I was saying while I was muted, was that. um this is going to happen whether we like it or not i think there was a quote that i put up in previous slide didn't i where uh, actually it was the discussion with alex hines wasn't it um in the news with alex um where uh, this either happens with us deciding on the timeline or it happens with us not deciding on the timeline whether this happens is is not up for discussion this will happen this will be inflicted on us whether we like it or not um and yeah, so let's just keep that fresh in our mind. The need for urgency, the need for rapid adjustments, really key. There's a nice zoom in. again. Once again, I should have been using I always forget that I do a nice zoom in on the graph. But anyway, this is basically pointing out specifically that we need to be reducing our emissions by half by 2030. By half by 2030. It's an enormous drop. Yeah, that's pretty pretty radical drop in emissions, um, and that's... Yeah, uh, there's some, some specifics in da- data there if you if you really want to see, uh, kind of go in and have a look at the actual actual absolute and, and, and relative figures. So another thing we need to keep in mind, so all this stuff about net zero, which by the way, net zero is not enough. Net zero is um, is it's a target, really we should be aiming for absolute zero by 2050, and ideally we'd be aiming for a absolute zero a bit earlier than that. The sooner we do it, the better that's the key thing i cannot communicate enough that's the key thing um yeah the audio only the podcast listeners i edit it now i go in and i fix all my mess ups because in audio only things like things that are too loud as well i can see the trace and i fix it all um hello everyone in audio only um format i, I try and treat you with a bit more respect nowadays than i used to um right so there's an interesting paper here uh, oliver geddon pointing out um this interesting paper here by uh coming out of um Manchester. I don't know why I'm not drawing my wackum uh, here. Coming at Manchester uh, Messrs Patterson, uh, Wilshire, and Tobin here from the Department of Politics. Um, talking about the rise of anti-net-zero populism in the UK, comparing rhetorical strategies for climate policy dismantling. Basically, it's a load of fash who are who are um, focusing on this stuff. Keep this in your mind as well. Now, why might you? Why might it be a good idea to keep this stuff fresh in your mind? Ah, yes, that's right, because we have to talk about the disadvantage of my lovely big microphone is that it is in the way of the uh, the old I'm gonna find adjust it something. It is in the way of a view lot in in the chat, which is uh, not the best. Um hello. Yeah, I I can I I need to get used to having an eye on the mixer so I can see when there's no sound coming through. I'm so sorry, how embarrassing. Well, it's standard, isn't it? All of you screaming, no sound. Everyone's adding. it's all the chat saying, um anyway right so right under the headline title of and it made me want to punch a drywall the punch a hole in some drywall um when i saw it long-term decisions for a brighter future is what the conservatives went for as there as the, the headline of their party conference and um because basically this is this is government as posting. so you know the conservative Party conference this is a, a class, as as ever that is the case. it's the case for the conservative party to to use government announcements to to increase their own personal election chances um not anything to do with the future of the country uh, really important thing to bear in mind, all of these announcements were all about them and their jobs after the next general election it wasn't even about electioneering so much anymore. It's more about these these are the sorts of people we are you should employ us at policy exchange. Um so long term decisions for a bright future. For the most part, this is what the um the, the this is this is the insulting shit that they put um on uh, sorry, this is the insulting that they put on is there's someone getting upset last episode I swear sometimes Uh, swearing is good it's healthy Uh, kids watching this don't swear you you look basically if you're a kid and you swear you look stupid but um like you honestly you do you look silly if you're if you're a kid and you swear you look very silly adults though swear lots it's good and healthy Um, and uh, it generally is also multiple papers in fact, that's possibly a Cochrane review of it that points out that swearing is generally allied with um, higher levels of intelligence. So there you go. Um, long-term decision for a brighter future, remove gender-neutral language. This is basically the level the whole thing was. Actually, it was a lot worse than this. There was a lot of outright fascism in the in the CPC, um, particularly from the likes of Braverman and, and Sunak himself um, playing to a lot of uh, transphobic um, uh, sort of tropes. Uh, just just really horrible stuff out and out, out and out, uh, uh, unpleasant all around but this is a, for me a classic example of of the abuse of this of this description here. Are, are they trying are they trying to just make the the, the phrase long term not mean anything anymore so is that is that their plan i don't i don't know um i, I don't understand. anyway this is this is the level we're at removal of gender neutral language is what they think is a long-term decision for a brighter future, as opposed to playing to culture war, posting nonsense that their right-wing mates uh, all think needs to happen. Anyway, uh, so all that net-zero stuff—keep that fresh in your mind. Uh, here's Tom Clark uh, saying that the uh, the BBC says that that the Prime Minister is set to argue that Britain's over-delivered on confronting climate change. Um, so I'm going to kind of say, yeah, they're over-delivering on climate change, uh, according to this. So anyway, uh, um, and the things that, uh, this is before CPC actually, this is is just warming, a little musée bouche, just warming us up. The government are pushing the ban on the sale of new petrol and diesel cars, currently set to 2030, back to 2035. Obviously this this actually pissed off the automotive industry, which is quite fun, uh, you know, silver linings. Second, the government would significantly weaken the plan to phase out installation of gas boilers, so so all this really bad stuff. Homeowners, landlords will be told that there'll be no new energy efficiency regulations on homes. What? Uh, this is all just landlord stuff. Just landlord stuff. Fourth 2026 ban of off-grid boilers. Be delayed to 2035. Ugh. Um, Britons will be told there'll be no new taxes to discourage flying. Ouch. No government policies to change people's diets and no measures to encourage carpooling. Of course, these these are the... The the meat tax, which never existed, uh measures to encourage carpooling. what why not? It's good. Carpooling is good. It's a good thing. Obviously the discouraged flying, we know about that. Sunak and Harper are both keen flyers personally, as was Shaps. They all they don't care. They're absolutely beholden to the aviation industry. An aviation industry, which if you remember from a couple of episodes ago, is bad for the UK economy. Like it's it's bad for the UK economy. Um uh, yes, uh, Sunak r- ruling out what he sees as burdensome recycling schemes. This is just culture war stuff. It's all culture war stuff. Don't try and read into it any more than they are playing culture war games. Um, so, Simon Evans, Dr. Simon Evans here, uh, as ever, over at Carbon Brief, um, doing some stuff. Um, I see, keep seeing, this says rollbacks, and I keep seeing the word bollocks whenever I see, uh, look at this word, which is, which is nice. It's got the right letters in the right places, isn't it? Uh, just about. Um, So this is just looking at what, uh, let's zoom in on the graph, because I remember I did do this this time. Uh, UK climate policies reported the risk of uh, bollocks could put targets out of reach. Yes, that is what that says. Um, The UK, it says rollbacks, by the way, audio only people. Rollbacks, uh, similar. Um, Yes, uh, Ina is absolutely, uh, is pointing out that uh, it's not surprising that uh, my automotive industry is... um, uh, hates this stuff. It's uh, it means that the companies which do sort of realise they need to change because they kind of have worked that out. They know that the, they know which way the wind is blowing. Don't have the guarantee that their competition will be forced to make the same to endure the same costs. A- absolutely, yeah, 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 for sure. So, uh, the UK government's twenty twenty three net zero strategy weakened ambition from the twenty twenty one version. So, um, the red here is the is the uh, twenty twenty three version compared to the twenty twenty one one. Um, and the 2021 one is already worse. Than, uh, is it? Oh, uh, Sorry, I'm misreading this. Thin blue line, 2021. Thicker blue line, 2023, the net zero strategy. Um, and then the red is Sunak's recent announcements. Um, and it's basically saying those announcements put the 2050 achievement at, at, out of reach. You know, it can't be achieved. It's just not possible. So, So, yeah, Sunak is basically just Killed 2050, which is funny because it's legally binding. It's a legally bind. He can't do that because the Climate Change Act 20, uh, 2008 binds him to achieve the 2050 deadline. So, hmm, interesting. Uh, expect judicial reviews. Yeah, the thin blue line. that's that's not, Martha, behave. Um, right. <laughs> and uh, it allows Tories like Graham Stewart MP to come out with baffling, absolutely baffling like this, which is um, the approval of the Rosebank, um, by the way, you know, uh, the North Sea Transition Authority, which is an ironic name. Uh, they've granted development and production consent for the Rosebank field northwest of Shetland, big oil field. Um, and uh, and yes, uh, Graham Stewart MP here uh, tweeted this. Rosebank's approval is a crucial step in reducing emissions from the North Sea and is part of our realistic plan to reach net zero, generating tens of billions in taxes, supporting 200,000 jobs, safeguarding UK energy security and growing our economy. Second tweet in Thread, UK oil and gas production will only be made greener if there are new licenses and new investments. What the is he talking about? I mean, what? Graham Stewart, what are you on about? i fascinated to know what mental gymnastics you've engaged to actually achieve this, or rather what, what you've let your spad come up with. This is just, I mean, obviously it's transparent nonsense. It's just baffling. Anyway, let's talk about Mark Harper lying to everyone again. The number one lie from uh, Mark Harper in today's... Um, uh, you remember quite a number of episodes ago when Harper started and was quizzed by the TSC, and I said he's the most dangerous transport uh, secretary of transport with the UK has had in a very very long time, well, I think he's pretty much proving it as uh, going through this. So here's this is again a, a little Musée Boucher ahead of CPC. Here he is writing his letter uh, saying that the government doesn't have the legal power to stop the Ulysses expansion. They do, Um that the decision was made by Labour Mayor Sadiq Khan, um, supported by Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer. He does a lot of this. He is the reason he's being allowed into this area is because he's a lickspittle and and basically just absolutely says what he's possibly says everything he can to kind of uh, get close to sunak and and um and hunt it's pretty tragic to be honest uh, we're supporting a plan to ensure future such schemes can be introduced while ignoring local councillors. so here we go this is the we're never going to let a new list happen again whereas actually clean air zones are an absolutely critical component in stopping children from dying of various horrible air pollution related diseases um so yeah, screw you man anyway, he wrote this letter. And all of its lies, it's all gibberish. Because, uh, yeah, this is just, it's just. I'm not going to read it out. It's just he wrote a letter. It's full of gibberish. Um, you know, ULEZ is a Boris Johnson policy anyway. Um, expansion, you know, it, its expansion hits very few people. Like, it's not a lot of cars fall under ULEZ anyway. So it's just not a big deal. Like, it's a pretty undramatic change people get paid to, you know we were paying too many people to actually scrap their cars anyway the scrappage scheme is too generous for high earning people with with expensive cars so you know whatever so but anyway by this point all these amuse bouches are making pretty clear what the direction of travel was in advance of cpc now here's sunak going off on one about about 20 mile an hour speed limits in, in wales which we'll talk about in a bit Sunak says imposing a blanket 20 mile an hour speed limit is not right. Interviewer points out that it's not blanket. Sunak ignores him and repeats it. I am very bad at answering questions. Yes, you are. Um, anyway, we were talking about airheaded um, uh, conservative MPs. Well, uh, let's, let's let's go with uh, Neil Dot O'Brien um, uh, on Twitter here. Neil O'Brien MP. The poor people don't drive narrative is such a London bubble thing. The pink areas on this map are where people use public transport more than driving. Uh, For the benefit of all the only listeners, this is a map of England and Wales. On this map, um, everything's blue, except London-ish, within the M25-ish. And now I wonder why... So, Neil, as thousands of people pointed out to him, um, I wonder why that is, Neil? Is it because the only part of the UK that's seen any significant urban public transport investment is London? ah yeah okay moron absolute absolute dimwit just these these people are not it's really important for everyone to understand these are not intelligent people they are there because they have absolutely they have reaped the rewards of their privilege that's the only reason why these people are in these positions it's because of privilege they are not intelligent people they are not capable people they are um perhaps quite good at misleading others are good at surrounding themselves in people who say yes to them and get them where they need to be, but they are not intelligent people. Um Anyway, uh, here we are. So related to all this, Sunak expected, there's the Guardian, uh p- Sunak expected to limit powers of councils in England to curb car use. So of course, this is the like stopping councils doing 21 hour speed limits, stopping them from being able to levy fines from traffic cameras. Um, all of this stuff is obviously bad because councils already don't have enough power. So this is, among other things, yet another massive collection of um a kind of scooping up of and centralization of powers into number 10 you know it's a massive undoing of devolution just yeah um and then the big news started to ooze out we all know what happened here the big news started to um to ooze out um is J- jen williams uh I interrupt my largely passive holiday activities uh, to say they are really actually doing this. Yes, they uh, they, they are they are doing it, uh, Jen. We'll have to have Jen on to talk about this because uh, it's been interesting to see what the it'd be interesting to see what the what the, what the, what, it f- what the sounds were like across the north from from elected officials uh, across the north and what Jen's summary of it all is once the dust is somewhat settled. Anyway, big news starting to ooze out. Uh, here's Jeremy Hunt looking. Baffled, while well, he tries to make up numbers about ten to costing ten times more to build high speed rail here than in France, which is, as, as I've described, not true. um And he can't reveal whether HS2 will be asked. He knew, but Sunak knew at this point because he recorded his video cancelling HS2 in Downing Street in the same shirt in the same lighting as he recorded another video that went out like two weeks ago. So this was. They, they, they knew this so much more in advance. We're straight-talking people in the north. It's a yes or a no. Are you scrapping the HS2
1: line between Birmingham and Manchester?
0: Now, like I said, I'm not, not speculating on future things. We've got spades in the ground right now, and we're getting on. But what but people is it under also review? want to know... I was, well, go- government is always making sure that we get value for money out of everything we do, but that's just a statement of the obvious, right? But But I think what people also should know, because I know there's a lot of focus on this one thing... But actually, what are the journeys that people use most in Greater Manchester or across the North? North, it's it's on in their cars right now, getting to work, taking their kids to school, making sure that the roads are free of potholes. That's probably priority number one that people raise with holes. me. We're not talking about potholes.
1: The main story uh, this, right now across the country uh, is people want to know about the future of HS2, and
0: still now, you can't give me a yes or a no. And you're the man in control. You you have the keys. And, you can tell and, us and, now if that's happening. But, but Anna, my, my point to you is the vast majority of the journeys that people make are, are in their cars. Making sure that we make sure our roads are well maintained But we're talking
1: really about
0: important. trains. Uh, we're not talking about cars. It... Uh, you, myself, yes, uh, everyone drives because everyone drives, you see, that's why we're having to cancel train projects. Rishi Sunak, my word. Um, anyway, that was Anna Cookson uh, taking uh, Sunak to task. Oh, just um, hateful. Anyway, yes, so here's Jim uh, Picard from the the FT. Richard will seek to deflect criticism of his plan to act the northern leg of HS2 by using his speech to the Conservative Conference in Manchester next week to woo drivers with a new plan for motorists. So it's like, ooh, plan for motorists, inspirational. Um, we'll park that for a minute because we need to enjoy how few people watched Mark Harper's speech. Um, this is fun. Ian Barnes uh, here... Um, the the press crew um, pointing out that um, everyone had been told to shift over to the right so that people like the guy here in this picture could take a deceptive photo the picture I'm going to zoom in on this picture this picture is of a of a a, at least half empty conference hall um, where they've ushered everyone to go and sit on the other side of the room and left all these empty seats um, so that any photos taken make it look like the room is full Um, anyway uh, so Harper very much lost the room And and interest, and part of that was because um, he also lost the plot. He was um, he was quoted saying, uh, "Yeah, him going to full tinfoil hat. What is sinister and what we shouldn't tolerate is the idea that local councils can decide how often you go to the shops, and that they can ration who uses the roads and when, and that they police it all with CCTV." So just just to make absolutely explicitly clear, um, this is I mean fundamentally an anti-Semitic trope. This is a globalization. Like World Economic Forum type trope. This is conspiracy theory stuff that he's repeating here. He's referring to 50 Minute Cities. He's conflating 50 Minute Cities with ULEZ. He's also conflating it with um, some of these ideas about, uh, about car management, about, you know, uh, also about um, car free. You know, uh, low traffic neighbourhoods (LTNs), which he did an announcement a while back saying that I'm gonna I'm banning LTNs, which he doesn't actually have the power to do. You know, all this stuff feeding into this this culture war stuff, and this is extreme culture war stuff because these are these are full conspiracy theory, anti-Semitic type, kind of chaos tropes right now. Um, Free Palestine, by the way. While I'm on the subject, just gonna put some balance into my uh, uh, discussion of this. Anyway. Um, uh okay, for all the people listening here who are like going, oh, uh, he's saying, he's uh, talking about uh, Judaism and and so no, uh, I'm not. This is this is a trope. This is an anti-Semitic trope. This 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 is this this is classic anti-Semitic trope stuff, which plays into the kind of the big globalization sort of. There's a cabal that rule the world. Fifty minute cities. All that stuff is all a, a really nasty sort of Jews rule the world type trope. Um, uh, that's 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 really really. Dark that that's being quoted in a, in a in the 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 government's party conference. It's really really messy, um, really really horrible. Anyway, uh, all good fun stuff because the plan for drivers came out. Yeah, it was wasn't it a plan for motorists. Anyway, they've called it the plan for drivers. Um, uh, here is smoother journeys, easier parking, stop unfair enforcement for uh, the, the five. They've got five on this. There's uh, like 30 bullet points tackling considered driving Number four. number five. Help switch to zero emission cars. Yeah, one two three four five. Yeah. Um. So. This this uh, I I run out of steam with this, bit because here is the plan for drivers. It's it's a really also it's like who designed this? It's so miserable. It's such a miserably boring document they've created as well. Look at it. It's, it's anyway. Government launches plan to put drivers back in the driving seat. Ugh. New thirty point plan to support people's freedom to use their. Um cars and curb overzealous enforcement measures. Oh my goodness, just uh, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just it's yeah, yeah, it's ugh, it's just everyone, I'm, sorry I'm struggling because this this is so obviously, it's all about the fact there's this war war on motorists, which as we've seen there isn't. Fuel duty frozen for as long as it has been. The, the fact that we've seen motoring increase you know, it's increased by percentage points over the last couple of years it's just, it's just, yeah. Ugh, anyway, um, yeah, just not good, not good, not not good. Um, anyway, everyone in the chat, how how are you all doing? Ugh, do we are gonna have have to have a coping moment? Anyway, Phil Hay again, always good to follow Phil. He's always got interesting insights. I uh, picked up the plan for drivers. And uh, even among younger people aged 17 to 24, this is something he's picked up in the report, in the opening paragraphs of the report, in fact. Even among younger people aged 17 to 24, 85% expect to be driving regularly in the future, despite only 56% doing so now. Um, So about half of young people, like pretty young people, uh, yeah, 24 is really young people. Like early drivers, only half drive in 17 to 24. Sorry, that was really garbled. You know what I mean. Young people, only half of them drive. But some of them expect to have to drive in the future. Yeah, that's as Phil says um, yeah the DFT expects this number to rise uh, and so does Phil uh, if the DFT continues making rail less attractive and uh, fails to invest in alternatives to cars and roads such as HS2 absolutely Um, yeah it's just so frustrating um Oh, how are we going to, we're going to have to do some th- some therapy. Anyway, so yeah, the war on cars, this is all because of the war on cars, of course, which the war on cars is that uh, motor traffic levels have increased by uh, 2.5% um, between June 22 and June 23. Doesn't, doesn't really feel like, um, doesn't really feel like a war on cars, uh, is there? Um, anyway, oh, I'm going to go big face for a minute and just, I've, I've smooshed my hair because I'm so stressed out. Hello, everyone. <laughs> how are you all? Ah, oh, yes, absolutely. The 50-minute cities are not about controlling movement. Of course they're not. It's just like making it so that I don't have to drive to get to the shop. I don't have to drive to get the GP. I don't have to drive to go to the dentist. I don't have to drive to... It's meaning I can walk to these places. Oh, um, Yeah. Anyway, it's it's all about forcing the kids into charity. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, Gareth here saying I uh, was in uh, was in uh, Malahide in Ireland uh, last week, and they've turned their main street into a pedestrianised area. All pubs, cafes set up outside seating, flowerpots. everywhere. It was lovely. It's beautiful, marvelous. Uh, Tone McStone. Let's spend money to reduce carbon emissions by giving money to car companies so people can afford. Uh, who can afford expensive new cars and can get electric ones. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, right. Uh, it's 2057. Three minutes in, and we've, we've, we've there's more to do. I'm afraid, um, because the plan for drivers here it is long-term decisions for a brighter future. Slamming the brakes on anti-motorist measures, isn't it marvelous? Isn't it, marvelous? Isn't it wonderful? Um, so here's Rishi Sunak. We're a nation of drivers. Hmm, okay. Most of us use a car every day, and for many, basically, it's, this is this is the culture war stuff again. It's not about. It's obviously destructive. Obviously damaging. People do not, the vast majority of people don't agree with this stuff. They want a nicer, less trafficy environment. Uh, Transport Action Network picked this up, which is fun. A nation of drivers, question mark, exclamation mark. 48% of households renting their home from a local authority have access to a car van. And, uh, oh yeah, did I actually put my, I was going to put my PWI slide in, pointing out the fact that the bottom fifth of earners, only half of them have access to a car. So you know, it, it is not—it's simply not true that we are a nation of drivers. The decisions, as we talked about car dependence, that Guardian article—it um, has made us worse off as a country, and it's made individually made us worse off as well. Um, and then again, you know, a reminder of who this is for, right? This is this is this is who it's for. Here's Harry Cole, Boris Johnson's mate, who Rishi Sunak pissed off and is now. Um, trying to make friends with again if you remember there was the anti-HS2 story was was used as a dig against Sunak now here's Sunak and Harry Cole having a, a smiley face photo with each other um, and uh, and it's all about uh, yeah Sunak stopping LTN rollout chaos in win for Sun's give us a break campaign so obviously the Sun is a disgusting hateful rag um, and um, this is all about Sunak appealing to them for his own future um you know policy exchange future with gilligan etc or you know columnist op- op- opportunities or just to be let let free to go back to california and earn his millions um yeah this is all about you know the long-term plan means smoother journey stopping on fair enforcement easier parking crack down and consider driving and um, it will not mean smoother driving f- uh, smoother journeys folks and uh, happening um yeah who's it for it's for the right-wing ghouls who that paper earlier identified. This is all about culture war stuff. It's all about killing Net Zero. It's all about the Murdoch press pushing us in that direction, um, hard because they're represented uh, and represented representing uh, the automotive industry, fossil fuel industry. Particular with Murdoch, it's particularly this isn't uh, this isn't conspiratorial. He he's absolutely beholden to the big coal burners. Australia bur- produces the coal that the rest of the world burns. So um, it's particularly personal for Rupert Murdoch and his his media empire that, that they are continued to allowed to extract coal to burn. Um, so it's like a very immediate and personal impact on him, and there's a reason why he fights hard for it. Um, anyway, this is a good quote. This is, this is The Sun. I'm going to quote The Sun. I don't do this very often, but someone shared the screenshot on Twitter, so I don't have to actually open the website. website. I would have their website absolutely blacklisted. Um, the Sun says, Rishi Sunak must bite the bullet and derail woke HS2. Stunned pause. Billions could be saved by investing in more immediate issues. I, I mean, obviously that's materially incorrect, but all of this is materially incorrect. That's table stakes. No. Um. <laughs> woke HS two. Well, I mean, I guess it is. Is is it? I mean, is it woke? No. Woke means aware of social injustices, particularly in relation to black black Americans uh, and, and, and them understanding you know the injustices that they face uh it's it's a it's a, a, a an african American it's a black American term woke uh, you all know that because I think I've defined it with you before um woke hS2 wow anyway so HS2 goes down and we get network north uh no not not this one. No, we get Network North, and yes, the pixels here on the Network North thing are because the whoever created this report, um, uh, and it will have been someone pretty amateurish, and probably no one in the actual DFT. And if they were in the DFT, this is the sort of thing that you leak or that you move jobs for. Don't do this. This is this puts me in mind of in the TF episode where we talk about the how, the failings of liberal liberal of liberal institutions don't do this stuff when you know it's obviously bad. Anyway, the pixels are because they don't know how to output a PDF without rastering all the images. Horrible. Anyway, Network North. Transforming British Transport. Yeah, transforming it for the worse. Correct. Um, and already, you know, within 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 days of them creating this report, um, they already had to send out several correction slips, which is quite funny. Um, very good. So, um, yeah, Rishi Sunak. HS2 also they had to release it as a command paper because that's how they were doing the HS two killing off. They worked out some way of just about holding to some level of parliamentary scrutiny. Um Yeah, so Richard Snack announced it, and we all know this. HS two out, Eric North in um it just cost too much took too long didn't deliver what the british people need i mean again table stakes we all know that's rubbish i don't need to go through why anyone who's watching this who is curious as to why that is go back and watch past episodes of real matter where we explain network north will be a different story hundreds of transport projects i mean again we've done all we've explained all this in the previous q a session as you can see it's all just it's all just stuff it's all stuff ever. it's just an absolute shambles and most uh, what's interesting is that burnham then picked this up is this a plan for the north to take over the entire country or a plan to spend the money we were promised everywhere else? else because yes there's an awful lot of stuff that is not north here including like a load of a, lo- a lot of stuff that's in tory heartland areas uh yeah okay yeah fine um so yeah burnham's picked up the problem anyway we've done all this haven't we we've done all this in episode 187 uh so we don't need to run over it again but so that was the that that was the um, around part now we're into the finding out part because um immediately Scanska, big contractor earmarks redundancies Arcadis, my former employer, looking at relocating staff to other projects. This has been happening already, by the way. Uh, multinational companies um, across the board, uh, including my future employer, lots of others, uh, moving staff to other countries to work on other infrastructure projects. Yeah. Just bleeding skills straight out of the country. Um, this is this is what happens. This is the consequence. Um Uh, Jim Pickard again from the FT, um, uh, because you know what, Labour obviously have to concede the victory. They can't take a win. They have to screw it up. And they managed to screw up, which was they are no longer committing to HS2. They are no longer publicly committing to HS2. Starmer has said, well, we can't promise anything because you don't know what the government's made such a mess of it. No, no, you're missing. You do commit to it. There's no political advantage to not committing to it. It needs to be built. Therefore, you commit to it. It's not rocket science just baffling stance for labor to take um i'm hopefully going to be getting a guest on soon who will be interesting to see what he says um in response to this um and, and labor's position but anyway uh, let's think about that about that in the future uh for now uh tease 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 uh for now let's just despair at that um from labor anyway uh meanwhile in singapore no, not in Singapore. What have I said in Singapore? That's a copy and paste. This is not Singapore, it's in Indonesia. Um, wait a minute, let me just do this. There well, we go, fine, it's, it's fixed. <laughs> Meanwhile in... <laughs> don't, don't shout, Gareth. Meanwhile in Indonesia, yeah, because yet another country um, has uh, added high-speed rail to its roster as just a normal thing that countries have in the 21st century. Yes. Um, just standard stuff. Southeast Asia's first high speed railway. Um, largely Southeast Asia. Is, is, yeah, I suppose it, I suppose that would count that as Southeast Asia rather than East Asia. Anyway, um, largely funded by China. Yes, it's part of Belt and Road. Um, but it's uh, you know, another high speed line. Look at it, another high speed line. Looks nice, doesn't it? Fancy. Looks very lovely. Uh, marvelous. Anyway, so of course, what what Sunak has done is is cancelled something and has announced nothing. Um, so yeah we have um, Sunak admits uh, this is John Stone friend of the show hi John Rishi Sunak admits oh by the way John uh, congratulations on the new role at Politico um, everyone uh, he's moving over to Politico Rishi Sunak admits list of HS2 replacement projects just illustrative and not pledges and indeed uh, owner Wells has picked that up as well um, Sunak today is saying the list of transport projects he outlined in his speech last week to replace HS2 were actually illustrative ideas for projects that could be funded and not necessarily projects that would receive funding number 10 say about 5 billion of the 36 billion will be given to Metro mayors to find projects of their choice. And those are the projects that the PM meant are illustrative, but the majority will go on specific projects they will commit to now, except they haven't committed to any of them now. And it follows a similar question to be asked of, of Harper. Yeah, 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 cancel something, announce nothing. And of course, the thing that's happened is now they're just all of the, because they've lined this up, they've teed this up to try to make it a win. All of the cft comms now say we because we've ca- we're redirecting funding from hs2 which of course isn't how this works uh what's fun is that they've been doing that and then they've been getting um they've been getting um community noted in all their tweets there is no hs2 pot of money to redirect the hs2 funding would have been borrowed money for the line borrowed from 2029 for capital expenditure to build various hs2 components against the future returns from the speed line i mean actually against the future returns of the speed line is not right it's actually against the future returns. Of the economic benefits of 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 the line and everything else happening, It's just it's against the future economic prosperity of the country. Uh, it's not just against future returns from the high speed line. That's not quite how it works. But anyway, um, this this is this is not how it works. DFT again. Person running the Twitter account, um, they follow me still. The DFT, funnily enough. Um, just just don't just refuse to post this stuff. Um, anyway, or. Or put alt text in that that says something different. That's another thing. It's, it's a good way to do dissent. Is to do the alt text because the fashion I'll never read the alt text. And um, what else? Oh yeah, Harper. Uh, Harper lies. Part two. Because again, DFT saying because we're canning HS2, here it is redirected HS2 funding secured by this government. You, you HS2 is your project. You're building it. Just the the, the the gymnastics going on here are breathtaking. Anyway, democracy in action here because, um, let's tidy up my messy slides, Um, Robert Saunders here um, referring to work done by the Hansard Society, Um, Parliament spent over 1,300 hours on legislation and scrutiny for HS2, Parliament played no role in the decision to scrap it which was announced unilaterally by the Prime Minister at party conference, so what does this mean for Parliament? That's a euphemism for saying this was hugely undemocratic because good god it was 1300 hours of of, of scrutiny hs2 is the most scrutinized railway project in our planet's history you know in, in the history of railways it's the most scrutinized project it's the most scrutinized project bar none i dare say certainly in terms of infrastructure it's the most scrutinized infrastructure project in the world's history um, and yet, the decision to cancel it was made unilaterally by a desperate and incompetent prime minister. Uh, it's a good, uh, it's a good little blog actually. Matthew England and Doctor Ruth Fox um, uh, here, uh, kind of saying, you know, the prime minister's decision to cancel the next stage of HS2 has given rise to criticism that once again the government has ridden roughshod over Parliament. Um, yes. Hmm. So what now happens to legislation? So there's a good, there's a good discussion of what this means for legislation. Um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting blog. Uh, I definitely recommend going and having a look. Uh, very much uh, worth a read because obviously this is just, it's unprecedented mess that has been created here. Uh, promote the poll again. Uh, 92% of people are, um, uh, 8 p.m. slot is good. 98% of people are happy with the 8 p.m. slot. That's good. It just fits better with the we ones' have uh, bedtime. Um, hello, by the way, to my mother-in-law if you're watching this. Uh, hello. <laughs> it's nice to, it's nice to see you early in the week. Um, uh, fan of the show, everyone. Uh, what can I say? Uh, I, I it boosts the numbers. I, everyone who watches uh, is, is always welcome, uh, particularly their family. Uh, it just means it's very embarrassing for me, and if I think about it too much, I go bright red. Anyway, I, I, I let's press on quickly. Democracy in action, because, uh, oh yeah, that's right, the organisation the organization ostensibly in charge of all of, of, almost all of the UK or GB's, um, railway infrastructure, was not consulted before the plan to move $36 billion, uh, over to HS2's replacements was, was posited. I, I, I'm sure this really cheered up um, Haynes and Hendy, um, who are already, you know, well, it kind of goes over, it kind of washes over Hendy, but Haynes looks like a broken man. Um, and uh, yeah, Network Rail, again, this is Jen Williams and, and Philip uh, Georgidis um, here um, breaking this. I mean, it's, again, I knew this, everyone in Network Rail I was speaking to was like, yeah, we'd, we'd uh, right up in System Operator, right to the top, had Chapman, the root director, and going, do you have anything about this? And it was like, no, nothing at all, not, not, not a thing, not even a root director level. That, that's like basically as as high as it can go. At other than, and, and reality is, Hens and Handy probably were out of the loop on this. You know, um, staggering. <laughs> anyway, um, hopeless. So uh, but we're talking about democracy. The reason I kept this as a democracy in action, Chiron, is because Network Rail are currently spending and rightly spending millions of pounds on developing plans for, um, for, the, for the, how to develop the rail network. Um, and uh, in various ways so you know there's the team developing what what you know what's supposedly left over for in, in north Paris. rail that's spending millions and millions um the team um uh, in system operator developing the what was the wisp what is now being called the long-term plan for rail or something i don't know it's the it was the wisp the whole industry strategic plan um that's all shredded because without hs2 none of it makes any sense you can't do any of it you know everything's broken it breaks everything getting rid of HS2 you know, it was already bad enough getting rid of the eastern leg which was a really key part of Network Rail's long-term plans but killing off the um killing off the the rest of the project just just destroys um it, it absolutely fundamentally wrecks any long-term planning capability of the industry wrecks all the freight planning all the plant customers freight customers planning for the future just wrecks it all oh, and Neil pointed out the word on the street is the DFT didn't know about it either yeah of course they didn't um <clears throat> that's evidenced by what we see in a minute from the permanent secretary which happens to be what we see here dame bernadette kelly uh permanent secretary to the um uh to the department of transport um this is permanent secretary speak for um you i told you that this was going to be the consequence of your uh actions um Yes, yeah, so this is a good quote from Bernadette Kelly in her letter to um, to the, the chair of the Transport Select Committee, the Treasury Officer of Accounts, and the comptroller and Auditor General from the NAO. Um, thanks to Gareth for telling me what a comptroller is last week. So, the previously stated strategic case for HS2 to generate transformational benefits and rebalance the economy by joining the North and Midlands with London no longer applies.
1: Wop, wop, wop,
0: Yeah. That's basically saying, yeah, you broke it. It's broken. You've 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 destroyed the project. It's destroyed. Anyway, it's good stuff, isn't it? As um, John um, say, without Euston, oh, this is this is yeah, this is the finding out part again. Um, continued, without Euston's HS2 rebuild or something similar, it's going to get so rammed over the next decade that it'll have to be regularly closed at peak time for safety reasons, according to a confidential study commissioned by the government. Hmm. Uh, yes. Uh, as if by magic. That was September the 29th. Uh, more recently than that, we've seen Euston Station being completely closed due to overcrowding. Riley Quinn, get your hand off the lathe. <laughs> we predicted this would happen in Trash Future and it's already happening now. This is how bad Euston is. This is how much we need an expansion of Euston Station independent of what services look like. Um, uh, we've more on Euston later, by the way. And uh, indeed... Uh, actually, funnily enough, the day before this, um, the ORR actually put in a, a, an improvement notice um, for better crowd management at Euston Station because of how bad the overcrowding is at the station. Um, it's, it, uh, it's yeah, uh, it's Euston Station is, is is was desperately needing HS2 to open uh, to to take some of the to just distribute some of the passenger flow better. Um, as I as I've said elsewhere, Crossrail Two was supposed to be doing the much of the work uh, uh, improving Houston's underground station to improve that flow and that's not happening which is why HS2 had to spend so much money for TFL to improve the the flow around the, the station because the TFL station stations bracket S uh, around Houston are a mess um, and the finding out part continued oh oh so the HS2 thing didn't seem to swing the polls and didn't win them the by-elections in fact the by election was, was taken by um, you know I'm hardly going to call him storming starmer. Um you know he's he's not exactly radically you know radically winning hearts and minds at this point. Um What's funny is the Tories have blamed it on low turnout and their voters staying at home. Hmm. Um obviously starmer's like history in the making. Well anyway, even if it, you know people say you know, uh, what was it education secretary Gillian uh, Gillian Keegan um going uh there's no love for labour. Yeah, for sure, but you're still lost, uh, which doesn't say a lot about your policy. Um, it, people are not buying into what the Conservative Party are, even if they are traditionally conservatives. So it's not really, really not going well for them. Um, my favourite, of course, is the is the is this quote here. Um, number ten is said to be bruised after the party conference failed to push through Sunak's flagship announcement scrapping the northern leg of HS2. It's not the northern leg. It's the scrapping. Well, it's just scrapping. HS2, um, and reinvesting every penny of the 36 billion saved in regional transport projects, again um, I, th- I don't know why this is, is this a quote from the Times? Um, they're not, because obviously they're not spending every penny, of the 36, anyway um, cost the Prime Minister significant political capital as he was savaged by a succession of former Conservative Prime Ministers. They thought conference would be a gear shift, they thought funding 36 billion into local transport schemes would change things, A senior Tory said it hasn't, and it's left them bruised well what a shame, uh, some slight comfort as uh, they've been walloped roundly in polls since then. Uh, and funnily enough, interestingly, uh, on YouGov, which has always traditionally shown HS2 support to be thin on the ground, um, the the general support, so 12%, 21%, the general support for the project has increased, while the um, those who oppose the project uh, has decreased. So what they've managed to do is and also the don't knows and the um, uh, and also the uh the support and oppose have dropped as well so what they've managed to do is actually harden support for the idea of the project so really fantastic work there um, yeah Sarah Bryson absolutely right funny a man that travels by private plane doesn't understand about the rail network and why it's so important absolutely Oh, let's talk about some other stuff. This is a bit bit of a longer episode, but we're we're getting there, folks. It's, we're going to move through things a bit happier and quicker um, a bit now. Um, hopefully, you can all hear and see me nice and clearly. So, let's talk about positive traction. We've fizified a Gronk. We've made a Gronk has got fizzy because it's class O eight or it's the OAE because Positive Traction have battery-fied an 08 shunter and they've also made it better by... OK, it's not the distinctive shape, it's a bit more of a generic shunter-y shape, but they've given it all-round views, which it never had originally, because it, it was you know a different shape and had a big diesel engine in it. Um, but it is an 060 Gronk. Still many of the original LMS parts for these as they were designed. Um, it's, a, it's a Gronk, it's a class 08, <laughs> but it's battery-powered. This is a good idea. There are lots of battery and hydrogen and other alternative traction things that aren't necessarily a good idea. This is a good idea. It's a very good idea because you need shunters to move freight wagons around, to move trains around in depots, to, to do all sorts of things. And um, they are ideally suited for battery trains. The, the, the perfect thing for them to do is is battery trains, ideally suited to it. Um, and so they've created one and I'm hoping to go and have a look at it for a rail natter. It'd be great fun um, uh, to go and have a look uh, here it is, um, in, uh, in Barrow Hill. Um, Tim was here, wasn't he? Made this thing go round and round in circles, the the, the turntable. Um, here it is, looking fab. I'm very pleased about this. It's very good news. Um, on the flip side, don't do this anymore. Stop doing this stuff. The um, the hybrid flex, which was a diesel with bat- diesel train with batteries, um, enormous amounts of money spent on it, and it's been dumped in a siding because it for for a long time. Months, in fact, Um, and uh, it's going to be reconverted back into just a regular diesel train. Stop doing this crap. Stop, stop arsing around, particularly with, with, with existing units. Just stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Advocate for electrification. We are not getting battery trains. We are not getting hydrogen trains. We're not getting electric trains. We're getting none of them. So why bother playing government's game, and giving them all this crap when we should just be fighting for electrification, unified as an industry behind electrification. We can have diesel trains running. We don't need to create okay, battery is useful for emissions in stations, but we do not need to have all of these faffy, badly like bodgy solutions. Britain is so good slash bad at bodges. Bodges are stop it. Stop doing this stuff. Start pushing for electrification. I'm looking at you rolling stock operating companies particularly. Stop faffing around with this stuff and just start pushing for electrification. Just start pushing for electrification. Anyway, um waste of time. One six eight three two nine, it's gonna be back to being a pure diesel again um batteries work well on electric trains as a little boost um it's a good way to kind of solve some problems uh, gareth is asking me about the the mersey rails um uh in fact we'll talk about that in a minute when we get to the story uh, momentarily master drums is saying is this so revolutionary about the um the, the battery shunters no they've existed for ages and ages yeah the nsr built one in staffordshire in 1917 um there i think i put a picture of, 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 a, of, a, of a, an electric shunter um Actually, uh, uh, it was a, with the. Was it? A, no, it wasn't electric shunter, so it doesn't count. Anyway, the, the battery trains have been running for ages. Uh, battery trains were running on the D side line, you know, Royal line you know, in the Royal D side line. BR were trialling one back in the 60s. This is not. Battery trains are not new. Yes, agreed. Anyway. Oh, um, Right. Let's talk about non London city services continuing to splutter. Uh, yeah, so the. The stupid Mark V and Class 68 rakes are getting... The Nova three sets are getting um, withdrawn. That's a good move. Except it isn't a good move because it's being used to just reduce the timetable. I mean, not used. They are reducing the timetable. In fact, the next story is the timetable is being reduced for, for TPE and Avanti as well, both reducing their, their timetable. What? Why are we reducing our timetable? What? What? So, TP is saying that they've only got 60% ridership. I'm not surprised your service stinks. It's been so dreadful for such a long time. It's been dreadful since May 2018, and it hasn't improved. Nothing has been done to improve it. It's just. Oh, my goodness. The first battery loco uh, locomotive was a Scottish one in 1837. Thank you, Ryan Hogg. Very interesting. What's going to happen to the Mark 5s? Uh, they're unpopular bag- uh, vehicles. I suspect they will be scrapped. I don't think they'll end up with anyone picking them up. They're. A bit of a pig operationally. Local Hall is a bit of a pig operationally as well. Um, I don't. I don't think they're going to see any use. I, it's too small a, fam- a fleet. They're, they're not. The size of the fleet doesn't fit particularly well. Um, you know, some people have suggested they could go and replace the HSTs in Scotland. They could. That might be a good idea, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I, I I suspect that their destiny is uh, the cutter's torch. I think that's the end of that. Uh, um, yeah lots of people asking where they're going to go um, Grand Central's fleet of 180s is causing chaos uh, here in Bradford for breaking down yes Jonathan Dixon um, the, the yeah the 180s are horrible aren't they they've always just had a, a nasty knack of, of spontaneously bursting into flames um, but it's not just Transpennine Express that's hopeless because of course cross country has got rid of its HSTs which again is ostensibly good news but they've just used it to continue to run half the number of services they should be and um, so people are now getting kicked out of trains um, on you know what was previously an eight-car now a four-car train. It's the it's a peak time cross country to well, actually peak time in the sense that it's immediately after peak time, therefore it's peak time. Uh, Newcastle Plymouth cross country service, a service I use a lot, and people are just being told no room, being left behind. These trains have always been rammed. They've always been rammed. It's a classic example of the trains should be as long as they can be. They should have been minimum nine-car trains from the bat from from the off. Um, anyway. Just non-London intercity services are currently spluttering and actually Avanti spluttering as well So only LNER is kind of thriving at this point although the trains are looking muckier and muckier because they've um, Cut their cleaning so great work all around. Let's go back to Euston because um, uh, Guafi very much friend of the show posted this Um So they've moved this is this this is firstly. This is an architectural abomination. This wrecks the lines of the station This is an advertising board This is not going to be for departures. This is an advertising board. These are the departures boards. And they are tiny and no one can see them. And when it's crowded, you can't see them. This is some of the worst wayfinding decision-making I've seen. It's all because they're desperate, looking for ways to... Network Rail are desperate to bring cash in. And so presumably they've they've made a nice deal with JCD to, um, to, to, to bring cash in. This... This is all going to be advertising. This is going to be horrible for anyone with any level of, of like discomfort from sensory overload. This is going to be an absolutely disgusting experience for them. Um, Not to mention the fact that it's it sh- this should be the departure board. I mean, not this, because it's an architectural abomination. The previous departure boards were neatly set into the, the station architecture. It's just... Euston Station was glorious, and it's been made steadily worse. Uh, All the work that was done to clear all the shops away has now been reversed by the fact they've put this horrible thing in. It's just... Look at this. Look at this. It's awful. What... Just what is happening? It's just so depressing. Um... Uh, Contra as mammalia is saying any chance of the reduction of T P services to use staff to train uh, recruitment as T P used uh, to promise more service and they could deliver. I mean, what they should be doing is, I mean, partly yes, that is part of it, um, but the uh, I, I, it's a long term, you know, the, the timetable decision is a long term one, and I, I think they intend to stick, they intend to hold it that way. Anyway, if if it's short term, great. You know, in theory, it's six months and then they fix it again, but. I, there is a dial here i've talked about overton windows being shifted um everything is being shifted the wrong way at the moment um yeah someone oh, who posted this oh, i closed the tab um someone on twitter i'm sorry i've stolen your joke it's a good joke um this is basically the future that they want uh, this is this is for the benefit of all the only people this is a, a a um screenshot from uh blade runner 2 with uh ryan reynolds asking the giant Anadaramas uh, character, uh, do you know where I get the train to Manchester? Um, the, the giant advertising one, yes, uh, exactly. Um, uh, anyway, right. Uh, that makes me very angry. I want to move on from it swiftly. HST Trains is asking what's the main problem with TP? Oh my god, where to start? Uh, <laughs> Because the the problem, the Railways Act 1993 is the problem with TPE. Basically, difficult to difficult to push beyond that. Uh, lack of infrastructure in Manchester is one of the core problems with TPE. So the lack of infrastructure um, is a key one. Right, let's 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 jump over to the let's jump over the pond to the to to Pennsylvania and the um uh, the PA Department of Transportation here are doing some classic victim blaming ads here. Um, saying heads up, phones down. Did you know that distracted walking can be just as dangerous? What? just as dangerous as distracted driving. I don't know the last time that a distracted pedestrian mowed through a load of pedestrians and killed them all or mowed through a fence and smashed into primary school killing a load of children. Um, just an absolutely baffling bit of advertising. Just, just You don't need to, just don't need to send this stuff. You just don't ever need to post this stuff. Pedestrians on their phone is fine. It's fine. You know what? It's absolutely fine. Um, the, the environment around them is the problem. People on their phones, it's fine. Go away. Anyway, um, let's stay in the US because a story I've been um, helping the Boston Globe with a little bit, um, shout out to Taylor Dalvin, um who's been putting some serious work in to, to get to the bottom of a, a fairly confusing and baffling story. Uh, the Boston Green Line, um, they have, right, this is, this is a, what the hell? So basically it transpires that um a a dodgy supplier got, procured a load of ties. That's sleepers to you and me folk. Got a load of ties, manufactured with the track gauge pretty much precisely one inch too narrow, so four foot seven and a half inches. Um and those ties were installed all over the place. That was by by the contractor who should have picked up the, the that that was a problem and should have sent them back to the supplier so why was that, why didn't that happen why did the PE, why, why did the professional engineer sign off on on that different to our PE by the way Network Rail folks um, why did the contractor not challenge it, why did the contractor not reject the materials, why did the contractor install them why was the line allowed to then move into being opened with a load of seriously substandard gauge defects because the ties were a an inch too, you know, the base plates have been basically pre-drilled in it in the tie. That's fine, but they've all been provided an inch too close together. Um, just, yeah, I, <laughs> just, oh my goodness. So um, so that happened. How is it that, then that the the clients, the client organisation, that accepted the new infrastructure didn't go? Wait a minute, it's all to, the gauge is all wrong. Then when they did the the maintenance, they kind the, of they did a bit of a maintenance bodge. They kind of presumably redrilled and epoxied some of these ties, uh, one of the base plates in the ties to correct the gauge. They apparently did that in such a way that it it, it was it meant that they just wrecked all the straights, an inch. By the way, it's easily enough to basically create a horrible wobbling wheel rail interface mess. Um, this is just a top to bottom, absolute yeah. Richard Fraser, you're absolutely spot on. This is this is like the absolute, arguably the most fundamental dimension on the railway is track gauge. Everything else is sort of secondary, but the most fundamental interface, the most fundamental dimension is the distance between the inside faces of the rails. And if you get that wrong by as much of an by by twenty five point four millimeters, for for those of us to just get the scale in, for those of us who, who use adult uh, dimensions. 25.4 millimeters that's just a staggering amount of gauge defect the ride will have been horrible That's so they'd run all the trains slow and or close the line yeah um, yeah 1435 plus or minus 35 millimeters Yeah, quite just just a really staggering screw up so this story is going to continue unfolding because the interesting thing isn't so much the technical side now it's like how the hell was this allowed to happen what were the pressures on the project that meant this happened, because when I've worked in North America, I could name lots because of of issues that would have led this happen. Because the, st- the way that stuff does it, the way that projects are let, commercial boundaries in in and barriers in North America, mind blowing. Anyway. Let's have a little bit of... let jump back to Simon Evans, Dr. Simon Evans again at Carbon Brief. Coal is dust. Yeah, UK coal demand fell in 2022 to its lowest level since 1757, which is quite nice. There's a nice blow up of the graph. Look at that go. It's nice, isn't it? So we saw its peak in post-war years and then dropped substantially. Very substantial drop. It's interesting that it dropped dropped a lot Then then climb back up again what year is that is that can't quite tell anyway um, nice graph see it dropped down it, it sadly peaked a little bit with um, with COVID but it's 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 on it's way out folks coal is gone that, that's some good news right and this this graph here or at least uh, this bit of the graph here is basically what accounts for all of the drops in greenhouse gas emissions in the UK, pretty much entirely from the fact that we don't use coal to generate electricity anymore. Um, let's not look at the one of these for Germany. Agreed, I'll I'll uh, store that's that's definitely not do that anyway. Um, when we're talking about democ- democracy and the lack of it and how much we have a dysfunctional in democracy in the UK, um, we're nearly finished, by the way, folks. Don't worry. Let's just talk a little bit briefly about the high cost of over-centralisation. It's a very interesting point by Matthew Hallhouse here. Um, Britain's over-centralized in part because it places almost no value on the use of central government time or of those who have to deal with it um, this is interesting this is, this is Matthew Holhouse is the political editor of The Economist so uh, quite often swings and misses from The Economist these days, in fact more often than not however, this is particularly interesting um, this is in relation to the, the fact that Government has published a prospectus this morning inviting local authorities to register their interest for one chess table and four seats at the cost of £2,500. The joke here is that like, that £2,500, like easily that money is being spent by any any work being done by local authorities to bid for a chess table. This is like the most extreme example of the extent to which um, uh, coal miner strike, people pointing out that's what that dip was. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, Yeah, so, sorry, Matthew's point here. Um, If we did, it's not just central government time, but local authority time. If we actually factored in the the value of local authority officer time, then maybe we'd think (laughs) differently about things, but it's just staggeringly wasteful. Uh, The quote here, scrutinise time rather than budget lines and schemes that appear harmless are exposed as drains. Ministers demand announceables, cheap and eye-catching initiatives that are invariably the proper domain of local government. In July, Rebecca Powell, environment minister, boasted that her department's chewing gum task force funded by gum makers and run by a charity, ugh, it's the worst like Blair era, uh, Cameron era big society bullshit, um, had dispersed 1.2 1.2 million to 53 councils enabling 2.5 square kilometers of pavement to be cleaned. That's a frugal use of cash, but a profligate use of a minister's attention span. Absolutely, they should just not have any interest in that sort of stuff. Downstreet has plans to deploy some hundred chess boards in public parks. Thatcherites rights can claim half a victory. Leviathan has not been rolled back, but it's been kept busy with board games. Well, indeed, Matthew, yes. Um, this is why Britain's economy is, a, you know, we're all busy with scams and flimflams, and no one's actually doing anything. Let's have a bit of good news. Manchester gets its buses. Yes. Burnham are here announcing that the, um, the the yellow, and I know those of you watching, uh, Jen, Jen on the move, uh, I know you don't like the yellow. Um, I don't, I don't I've, I've not seen them in the flesh. I, the yellow is a bit peely-wally for some people's liking, but I, I, that's fine. They pick the yellow, they've gone with it. The most important thing is they can commit. They tweak the yellow later when they, you know, fine. Um, but the, these electric buses are here. There's a load of them, 50 of them, um, it's good news. Manchester is getting its buses. Very happy news. And while we talk about devolved successes, um Merger Rail have extended to Headbolt Lane. There we are. Uh, what to me looks like Rail Alphabet 1 there in use, uh, which is good. Uh, not Rail Alphabet 2. Uh, bad buffers. Bye bye. Yes, absolutely. So, Headbolt Lane Station. Um, uh, the reason I said Bad Buffers bye-bye is because the Bad Buffers have gone at uh Kirby Station. Is it Kirby? Is this one? K- is it extension from Kirby? Oh, people are gonna shout at me now. Um, it is the Metrolink Yellow, I think. Yes, um, I mean, on the on the buses, yes. Um, anyway, yes, Merseyrail also yellow. Everyone's yellow. It's good, you know. Tiny Weir is yellow as well. It's because yellow is a nice, distinctive colour. It's fine. Look, it's proper, nice occupancy here. Lovely occupancy. Uh, this is also the Merger Rail side, this is the northern side I think isn't it, and then the, the, the this is the Merger Rail side, proper occupancy, and uh, robust uh, stop as well, and signage to make sure there's no signal confusion between the different systems, um, all good stuff, I'm very happy about this, um, very nice, Gareth is asking uh, what colour Selnex buses were before deregulation, yeah very good point, um, Anyway, so uh, Headbolt Lane and Gareth, to go back to your question about batteries, yes, I think this is a good, um, uh, I think this is a good move too, it's a good move to um, uh, use battery to get this extension, ideally they'd third rail it, but you know, they, they're going to use batteries and it works fine, I think for little bits like this, batteries fine, anything more substantial, come on, uh, electrification, oh my goodness, this has gone long, hasn't it, it's a classic rail matter, how long has this been running for? 1 hour 35 we can keep this under the 1 hour 40 right West Mid's tram reaches Wolves proper yes Wolverhampton City Centre has finally um, got including the station has finally got the the trams have arrived um, which is good it's not the West Midlands Metro, come on! It's not a metro. It's it's a tram, um, but they have reached uh, wolfhampton station. Wolverhampton station, which I think is gorgeous, by the way, it's great. It's a really cool looking station. It uses the West Midlands branding, which I like. Transport for West Midlands, uh, that's good stuff. Uh, th- thankfully, the fact that GB, uh, the GB Rail, Great British Railways, is is toast means that we're not going to see this reclamation of power and the rebranding of all the local stations. I hope. Have any West Midlands railway stations been de West? Midland branded i hope not um, anyway what else Superlooper. I don't know a huge amount about Superloop buses because I'm I spend less time paying attention to London's transport because plenty of other people Jeff I'm looking at you and millions of others look at the transport in London so they can keep themselves busy with that Um but seems like a good idea to me it's unconventional to do um, loop you know uh, orbital routes rather than arterial routes so I think this is a good idea and um, what I also think is a good idea is planning for this to become mass transit eventually um, and certainly they should be planning to upgrade the bus infrastructure to prioritize the buses along these routes um and and bump up journey times but it's a good idea you know it's a good idea to have an orbital route i think it's a really good idea um i, I like it uh, i think it's a you know the branding's maybe a bit naff but fine whatever um it's a it's a it's it's a good idea it's it's a good it's a good idea to make sure there's an obvious branded thing that you can do to to use this orbital route um you know it means people can go from here to here Actually, potentially, quite a lot quicker to do that um, than than go in and then go out. It's it's a good idea. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan. Meanwhile, in Germany, the um, uh, forty nine euro ticket, the Deutschland ticket, has been an enormous success. Um, the you know thus far, it's pushed up local train service fares, sorry, uh, passenger numbers by twenty five percent. So it's a big old leap um, already. Uh, it's just just a win, you know. You do good things. Uh, you do good transport policy, and more people will travel by public transport. F- radical stuff, radical stuff, folks. No, it doesn't work in Britain because we're different for some reason. And um, also, meanwhile in Germany, and okay, these are all prospective projects. It doesn't mean they're announced, but you know, we laugh at the fact that at no at no point has the government published a restoring your railway map saying things that it will progress reports on it's never they never they're never brave enough to do a map with the stuff actually on it like this however uh, in germany they have a long-term plan and um this is projects they are not necessarily going to build but they are looking at let's zoom in on the project here's um pierre uh he's uh, well worth a follow by the way um um what is it pierre skidlowski um, i believe anyway good map you can see quite a lot down in uh wurttemberg um some stuff up around Uh near Bremen and Hamburg, um, and quite a lot in Nordrhein Westfalen. Um, there lots of stuff around Dusseldorf and, and 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 the Rhine. There lovely. Uh, anyway, railways, extra bits of railway that are needed. Um, new bits here and there, new lines. What's it? There's there's like these were these ones with uh, these are like in consideration. What's this uh? It's a classic German word. Reaktivierungsvorhaben uh, mit positive Machbarkeitsstudie, which is, I presume, like the green ones are the lines of the positive business case, and then the one underneath is uh, lines under con- still under consideration. Uh, those who speak more frequent, uh, speak better German. Uh, good. Also, yeah, you uh, know, saying that Germany has cancelled the high-speed line between Hanover and Hamburg due to nimby, due to Nimbiz- Yeah, classic. Um right. yeah this is this is this high speed line between here and here cancelled. yeah, it's not all rosy in Germany, uh yeah very little in East Germany outside of Berlin. yeah, absolutely, which is interesting to prepare it's possible because they've had a lot of the investment in large large scale infrastructure um before whereas actually anyway, fine yes it's a, it's a worthy worthy thing to spot uh, meanwhile in france uh air france um is ending all operations at paris orly by 2026 responding to a sharp drop in domestic flights and rail travel alternatives hooray this is good stuff meanwhile in wales this is a fantastic policy i've already shouted at my mother for this because she went off on a mother mum uh, why? Why? Who have you been listening to moaning about the twenty mile an hour thing? Because she started grumbling about it, and when I extricated the things she was moaning about, it none of them were had any had anything to do with twenty mile an hour limits. This is the sort of mumbling that, like, my mom's a good year into that level of like local chatter on things, and there's generally like lots of locals grumbling about this because they feel like it's oh, it's not right. Or Get grow up. This is such a positive step. It's one of the best things that's happened in transport policy in the UK for a long time. This is superb. Flat 30 down to 20. Uh, I, 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 Rishi Sunak called it blanket, and then people corrected him. But you know what? It should be a blanket. Great. Um, they, but it was bought in by... This is cross-party in Wales. Pretty much cross-party agreement in this policy, and it's fantastic. And it will literally save lives. It will literally save lives. Um this is, yeah, this is really good news. The, the, the 30 down to 20. And it's really pissed off the Conservatives because it's showing a good thing happening and they don't like it when that happens. They don't like being shown up. Um, this is great. I'm very, very pleased about this. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased. And uh, more, more of this, um, please. Scotland, catch up. Uh, this, this is some kind of mixed news. Gareth, thanks for sending this to me. Uh, mixed news. So Wales is continuing to support... Um, rail continue to provide support for rail despite um, ticket sales still not pitching upwards in the way they hoped they would they need to get the reliability and quality of service up so they I think they've realized that and so therefore they are doing the thing that the UK government should have done for the railways which is um, backing rail until everything can be in order because there's a lot of change happening on the Welsh network and it, it would be stupid to cut funding before those benef- those those new things can, can can kind of dig in. Um so yeah, it's, it's some some it's, it's good news they've made that call. Uh also ring fence for the NHS as well. Uh yes, it's meant some squeezing of budgets elsewhere, but you know, I I, I think it's the right call to make. Ideally Wales would have had an additional five billion from HS two that then they wouldn't have obviously because well actually they should. They should have the the now that it's been cancelled to everywhere else, the, the trouble is it's the way that rail devolution was done is that because hs2 is a national project they don't they're not actually entitled to any barnet anyway from it so it's all very barnets a shambles and people shouldn't use it as a drum to as a, as a stick to beat anyone with because barnet barnet the barnet formula is just a, a mess as we've talked about in previous episodes um, hello to all 160 if you're watching we're very close to the end now Helen Day giving us something some melancholy to think about the modern world in old ladybird books gradually other lines will be converted till most routes on BR are electrified that's a quote from 1961 the artist is Robert Ayton. and if we just just have this beautiful picture it's a picture of a nice modernisation era uh electric multiple units, whizzing along some nicely electrified lines There's some very strange catenary. No, the, the catenary is very odd on this one, it's got this kind of upwards pointing vibe, it's quite nice actually. Um, we've got chimneys, church spires, a square kind of tower of the church, roofs, and it all looks very nice. Um, it's a, a lovely bit of a lovely bit of uh, Ladybird book artistry for us to enjoy. Um, kind of towards the very end a little sneak peek inside the station hall uh, thanks to tim dunn some updates from the rail museum uh yes tim did a little thread that you can uh, go and have a look at um uh which we'll be seeing at some point next year uh, the station hall uh, is being updated dramatically to, to make it make sense so it's gonna you know there's some subtle changes here and there but the other de- details aren't going to be pretty radical um you know it's all about kind of telling a story rather than just being a few royal bits and, and, and a few bits and pieces like that. So that's, that's some really nice that's some good news there. Obviously you can go and um, see us running around Wonder Lab, which is the other new bit in the NRM um, getting very excited for back in episode 184 if you haven't watched that i recommend it heartily Let's hop to Glasgow uh, find the city of Glasgow um, an off-ramp for the motorways in glasgow yeah there's this there's consideration here there's some studies that but well, basically the city council wants to look at the potential to to demotorway the m8 and to kind of start uh, so they're they're looking at uh, at Charing Cross. they're looking at roofing the, the the motorway and a kind of a plan to get rid of the kind of hide the motorway there which is a, a good plan but to overall you know the, the council has expressed his desire to actually reduce the speed to a lower-speed boulevard-style boulevard, boulevard style road. I cannot express how much of a good idea this would be. It would disincentivise the traffic through there anyway. Um, it would reduce overall congestion everywhere else because you would disincentivise, you'd get traffic evaporation. To give you an idea of, this is Glasgow city centre right now. This is the city centre here. And you can see... I'm actually going to change the color of uh, of the mouse here. Uh, let's just change to let's change to uh, yellow for now. You can see the motorways. So you've got the stupid M74 completion, which I went to see getting built when I was a student. You've got the actually this bit here. You've got the the junction to nowhere here. That doesn't look kind of that, that's d- d- there. there's that ramps all over. You've got the massive motorway junction. You've got the huge section of M8 here before it then peels off. It's just this is insane amount of road. This is like US levels of destruction in the centre of the city. You look just look at this size of land here, right? Just look at how many blocks this, this is here. Compared to so that's about what is that? let's just hold that on screen and put it up here. It's about this size of what's well, about it's about that, yeah. How many blocks is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It's about twelve blocks just for that bit. And that's, that's ignoring this bit, and and, and this bit, uh, and also this bit, and and this bit here. It's like how much urban environment has been wiped out for the motorways down there. And it's the same, and you then go up through on the M8 through central Glasgow. Particularly this bit, which just cuts an absolute, uh, you know, creates a barrier between essentially connected part otherwise connectable connected parts of the city it's awful it's horrible and uh, likewise the road that goes along this bit as well this is also horrible and cuts a cuts a ribbon across the is the way up to uh for some up to the west highlands but again motorways everywhere there's, there's the m8 continuing over here and then going out this way uh just and there's, there's motorway junction here and here and here it just ugh ugh so yeah, we really ought to um really ought to, to do that. You know, boulevarding this, breaking it up, burying, burying it, anything to just get rid of it is a good thing. Um it's it just really would be um uh, it would, would really be rather good. You look how much how much small this is Glasgow Central Station, you know. And look at it look, look, at, look at look at look at that compared to look, look, look. It's just, uh, just staggering. Anyway, um I don't know why I made the whole... Sc- oh, there we go A critical beep as well. Oh, anyway, it's all good. Um, right, so we're going to end on a thing that we can all pat ourselves on the back because advocacy makes a difference. We're staying in Glasgow because with the announcement of Glasgow's night bus cuts back whenever they were in phew, July, um, Raphael Verduzko and... Um, Ver- uh, forgive me, that's a single Z, so that should be Ver... Verduz... Verduzko. Um Sorry, Raphael. My pronunciation of your surname is dreadful. Um, very interesting map pointing out the impact of the coverage of um, nighttime service from uh, covering 45% of households in Glasgow down to 13%. This is a classic Tom Force style map looking at travel time um, isochrones and showing how much basically the city shrinks without the first night services. So that's you know nighttime. That's the nighttime economy crippled as well as people enjoying themselves. Ah yes. Um, so. But a lot of advocacy surrounding this and other things uh, meant that the and a massive outcry, First Glasgow suspended the end of night buses and then eventually um, entirely reversed the plan to ax all night buses after doing a deal with McGill's. Um, so, I mean, again... The, the bus barons, it's are all Scottish First is a Scottish company, Stagecoach is a Scottish company. Uh, these should all be private. Like, these should not be private. These should be. Oh, the, Glasgow should run these themselves. Like get rid of these companies, run them uh, as a state operation. You'll find it's a lot cheaper. <sighs> and um, and to kind of to kind of end really, um, which is um, on, a, on a nice bit of abolish the treasury fund, which is. Uh, so the the government commissioned a report um, from an ex-Cabinet secretary, um, the Maud Review, as it is, Francis Maud, and the, uh, the radical shake-up of the civil service is headlined by the splitting up of Treasury. Will this happen? Probably not. But increasingly authoritative voices are saying this stuff. And wouldn't it be nice if it happened? Anyway, um... In a, in a dis- there's, there's, hello to everyone in the chat. Yes, it's all it's all going on. Um, I'm going to wrap this up because good grief, this has been a long episode. It's 21:51, and I'm I'm exhausted. Um, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this in audio only format. I will um, be uploading this uh, as as ever. Now these aren't pre records; so they'll be a little less consistent because I have to do stuff to them to then upload them. But the uh, the episodes will be uploaded before the next video episode, so it'll be up at some point during the week. I know I'd probably get more listeners if it was more consistent. Spotify would probably like me in the algorithm if it was more consistent. But you know, it's just me. I don't have a team. It's just me. Well, I mean, other than the admin team on the Discord server, of course. Uh, shout out to Heal and um, everyone else who's on the who's in the admin team there. Hi guys. Um, yes, audio only. Uh, the usual plugs. Patreon.com/slash/garethennis. Please support me on Patreon if you can. It's a quid a month. Um, it's super cheap uh, and you get the satisfaction of allowing this to continue happening um, and you can give more and I know people, lots of people do give more and you're lovely for doing so but it, it, it's it's super cheap UK slash merch for merchandise garethennis.co.uk slash discord for the discord to the chat to continue forever and ever um, and um, paypal.me slash Um yes, Maude was a cabinet minister he was, uh, he's uh, not a he's a uh, he was a cabinet minister. Ah, forgive me. He was a cabinet minister, not a cabinet secretary. Thank you, Gareth. I thought he was a cabinet secretary, i.e. civil servant, not a cabinet minister. Uh, Okay, fair enough. Thanks, Gareth. Um, paypal.me slash gareth for a loose change and abuse and um, please please subscribe we're getting we're edging our way closer to reaching the big ten we we've got like what 900 people left to subscribe please 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 or maybe 800 even uh, please subscribe if you haven't already please subscribe um episode 190 30 years of practice how it has badly failed that is next week Episode 190 um, is going to be good fun. We're going to look at all the problems with all of our rail network and understand why all of it, because it's the 30th anniversary of the railways at 1993, why all of it is thanks to that document. And we're going to remember where it came from and who wrote it. Anyway, uh, it only remains for me to bring up my big face and say I'm knackered and it's way too late and I'm slouching in my chair as well because I've been bouncing a little baby on it. Hello to... Hello to our... Um, our, Hello to Miles in the background. Uh, they then Miles in the back. Um, supporting the, the... I'm sure it really annoys EMR that I've got... That Miles has got a, an RMT badge on. But, you know... Miles is, a, Miles is a comrade, everyone. Oh, right, enough of that. I'm going to wave. <laughs> I'm so tired, everyone. Take good care of yourselves. Have a nice week. And I will see you next week for... Episode hundred and 190 episodes of Real Matter. Bloody Nora. Cheerio. That's 92% of you have th- wanted this 8pm. Good to know. Thanks everyone. I'm gonna can I end that poll? I don't know. End poll. It's ended. Um Cheerio. <laughs> Bye.